McConnell. Uh, thank you, buddy. We'll catch you tomorrow. Have a good one. Hello and welcome to the Hill here on News Nation. This right now is a live look at Eagle Pass, Texas, as for the first time in a long time. There is a bit of movement from Washington on the southern border. President Biden today spoke with Mexico's president. Now two cabinet secretaries are set to head south, while the top Republican in Washington has written the president demanding action. One of the top members on the Senate Homeland Security Committee joins us here on the Hill in moments. Plus, are states set to join Colorado in trying to kick Donald Trump off the ballot? The idea that Republicans are now floating as well. And could Congress yank Harvard's funding by the head of the House committee that oversees all of this suggests that might be the case. Busy day here in Washington. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Scott Bolden, former D.C. Democratic Party chairman, Ashley Davis, former George W. Bush White House official, Jonathan Cott is a Democratic strategist and former senior advisor to Senator Joe Manchin. And Mick Mulvaney, of course, the former Trump White House chief of staff, News Nation political and economic contributor. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. All right, so come on in, and would you look at this on your screen right now? On one side, a live look at the White House. On the other side, screen right, that is a live look at Eagle Pass, Texas. And for the first time in quite some time, we can tell you that the White House is taking action, in one form at least. Remember, the administration earlier this year had been arguing this Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have we operational are... control of the borders. Yes, we do. But after record encounters in the recent months, topped by record numbers in the recent days, the White House today announced that President Biden spoke with Mexico's president and the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, and who you just heard from there, the DHS Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, They'll be heading to Mexico in the coming days. News Nation's Kelly Meyer asked the White House just a little while ago, why now? Well, we're seeing uh, um, a significant increase in the migratory flow uh, coming uh, across the Mexico up towards the southern border, uh, certainly in recent weeks. Um, and we want to be able to address that as a team in cooperation with Mexico and explore ways that you know, we can get it stemming that flow. A lot of movement today. Hello to you all. By the way, the House Speaker Ron jo uh, Mike Johnson will speak to Ron Johnson. The House Speaker Mike Johnson sent a letter to the president today saying, we got to go. We need some executive actions. Let's go start doing some things. Um, some movement today. Too little, too late, Mick, from the White House. Welcome to the game. How do you see it? Not that it's a, not that it's a game, but it's, it's never you know too I mean. little, too late. It's the right thing to do. It's better to do it now than never do it. Right. The problem they have is that whatever they do here is going to look, sound, feel a lot like what Trump might have done or might have been doing. They're going to be really hard pressed to do an executive action. You certainly can't declare a national emergency. That's what Donald Trump would do. It's the right thing to do to talk to the Mexican president because <laughs> if cooperation between the two countries is is integral to what we're 
trying to accomplish. But again, that's what Trump would do. Like we talked about yesterday, the Democrats are uncomfortable here because this is not their issue. Ordinarily, they would ignore it because it would only matter to Republican voters. Now it matters to Democrat voters as well, and they're trying to get their footing under them at this late date. Well, it matters to all of us, actually, when you see these pictures. Sure. And, you know, going to meet with the Mexican president, I got to tell you, I've argued against that. I argued that they came no matter what, even under Trump, they just housed them in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the options on the table politically and literally is probably housing them or keeping them in Mexico until they're processed. Gosh, I sound like a Republican, I know. <laughs> so, here's, so here's that's, the remain. Well, that's kind of one of the options. Why would you go to Mexico? So yeah. let's hit the pause mm-hmm. button for a second okay. because uh, the, the House Speaker, Mike Johnson, sent a letter to President Biden today, and here's what he said in that letter. He said, quote, the crisis at our southern border has deteriorated to such an extent that significant action can wait no longer. It must start now and it must start with you. And here is what he is calling on the president to do. End catch and release. Grant parole on a case by case basis. Expand expedited removals. Reinstitute the remain in Mexico policy and resume border wall construction. Are you comfortable with that? No. I think the speaker might have been absent from the negotiations that have been going on in the Senate. These are actually items that they're trying to work out. One thing that he may want to realize is Congress needs to act on this. The president can't do it alone. Yes, the president can take some executive actions. But well, he's Congress, calling on the president to do it. He should be. Call- it's a, it's hey. a weird time in Washington. You got the Republican mm, House right. Speaker telling the Democratic <laughs> president, get your pen out and sign some EOs, he executive be orders. calling on his caucus to start negotiating whoa, 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 with whoa. the Democrats yeah. and the Republicans to- in the the Senate, who have been working on this for weeks, but House Actually, and stay in negotiations the with bill, HR two six House Republicans ago. passed an extreme bill that even Donald Trump would blush at. That no, is, that is so is not true. Zero ch- it, But at least it was, it it was at least it was a starting point. And right, didn't but it starts the starting point because the Republicans even, said we're not going to pass Ukraine and Israel. Funding. Even Republicans in the Senate wouldn't take up HR two. Even the Republicans maybe, in the Senate well, we don't, don't that, want that. HR two was dead on arrival. Is it possible? It was, but I mean that's how it's supposed to work. The House passes a bill, Senate passes a bill. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, that's schoolhouse rock, right? But it is what this letter is really admitting is, look, there's a chance that the Senate can't do anything. They left. They were here all week and mm. tried to cut a deal. Or they've not, not made any progress. And maybe nothing gets done out you of You think the that's a real possibility? I think it's a real possibility. Yeah. Nothing gets done, like, anytime soon or period. I don't. Uh, legislatively, I bet you, it's been, period. It's been 40 years I, since yes. we passed immigration reform. Yeah, so. I think the executive action in, uh, that he's suggesting also is sending more troops to the border. Now, the Mexican president's not going to like that, and it depends on where they're stationed on our side or Mexico's side. But I think I read somewhere where there are about 1,500 being sent, but more need to come, if only for humanitarian aid and organization. I mean, listen, this is a hot mess now. It's been a hot mess. And my goodness, I hate admitting that, but the Democrats can't ignore this anymore. Scott, if this, if this was a DACA issue, or if this was something unrelated like health care issue, would a Democrat president be invoking executive authority and, and signing executive orders? Well, he's done that before. Okay. Barack Obama did it, and so has Biden. So why not here? Well, I didn't say he shouldn't do it. I'm saying he's got to clean this up, whether it's an election year or not. This is a humanitarian crisis, and, and, and you can't, you know, Democrats start with the proposition that these individuals who are coming here have a right to come here legally, and if illegally, giving them a path to citizenship. The Republicans fundamentally disagree with that. They just want to keep them out, which is rooted 
um, in a race-based policy simply because they're brown and black people. I don't like saying that, but it feels that way uh, when you want to just Cuellar, keep them out. Henry Cuellar was on the show yesterday, a Hispanic okay. Democrat, exactly on the yeah. last two days. And what he said is, look, my district is 80% Democrat, it's 80% Hispanic, mm-hmm. and they want me to do something. That can't be racist, can it? I but, mean, well, no, it, that it, can't be racist, but the idea of they, them not having an opportunity to a pathway of citizenship. Look at Chicago and New York. We're being overwhelmed with them, and those are Democratic cities. Now, Republicans sent them there, and these were cities that, that, that invited and welcomed them. So, no, that's not the root of racism. The racism piece that it feels like is that they don't have a right to be here as citizenship. For citizenship. I, it, Actually, I want to. If they're not coming over illegally, which many, many, many are, and don't have any intention of becoming having a path to citizenship. There's a process for that. So, so um, put them I, through the process. Senator Ron Johnson's joining us. Before we get to him in like 10 seconds here, Mick, uh, national emergency. You you oversaw it when Donald Trump declared it. You think it, it's needed here? It's it's worse than it was when we were in charge. Okay. All right. Joining us now is the Republican senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, a longtime member of the Senate Homeland Security Committee. Uh, Committee. Senator Johnson, thank you for being back here on the Hill on News Nation. Uh, I don't know if you got a screen in front of you, but on one side of the TV, uh, we can see you. And on the other side of the TV, we can see the ongoings there in Eagle Pass, Texas. Mick Mulvaney, uh, you just heard from him on a, on a national emergency. Do you think that President Biden needs to declare one as it relates to the southern border? Well, first of all, Merry Christmas. But Merry let, Christmas. let's get something straight. Let, let's get something straight. Uh, President Biden entered office with a largely secured border. Uh, he caused this. He is the root cause. He and his Democrat colleagues want an open border. Now, it's got out of control. It's the election year, and they're, they're thinking, oh, we better do something about this. But uh, under Barack Obama, DHS Secretary Jay Johnson said 1,000 people a day uh, overwhelmed the system. Uh, President Trump had to deal with about three or 4,000 people a day. This is an order of magnitude worse than what Obama had to deal with. But again, President Biden caused this. He wants an open border. That's a significant difference from, for example, President Trump, who wanted to close the border. Let's look forward here. And I found it interesting that, you know, Mick, who knows policy as much as you do, Senator, um, suggested that maybe maybe this means that there's not going to be a deal. And you're in the Senate right now as it relates to uh, Speaker Johnson sending this letter over to President Biden. Are you in the camp that there is going to be an immigration well, deal all, wrapped up with some sort of Israel and Ukraine funding or no? This isn't about immigration reform. This is about securing our border. The open border policy of this administration is a clear and present danger to America. Of the more than six million people who have come in under the Biden administration, about 1.7 million were detected gotaways. They call them known gotaways, but that's a misnomer. We have no idea who these people are. We have no idea where they are. We don't know where most of the six million people are. Do you went. think there's going to be a deal? Obviously, a, a, it's a catastrophe. Most of the mainstream media has largely ignored it. So Do you think, I mean, we're, we're here to work. It, but now, now they can't ignore it. 14,000 people entered on Monday. 14,509 people. This is completely out of control. And now Democrats are saying we ought to do something about it, put a band-aid on this. But again, they caused this. They wanted an open border, which makes it very difficult to enter negotiations with them to secure the border. We're not ignoring it. We're covering this here every day. And if if you watch News Nation, you know that. I'm just trying to to, just trying to get a sense of um, do you think that there is going to be a deal on the border? And if so, what does that look like? 
Well, again, it has to be able to secure the border. And we know how to do it. President Trump did it using existing law. You need consequences. The problem is this is an order made to larger. 14,500 people a day, that's, I saw a ratio of 200 to 1. I think that's probably low. It's overwhelmed the system. How do you get control of it now? Uh, so the, the, the horse side of the barn here, this is going to be very difficult to put this all back together, uh, but we have to. So you ha- it starts with an administration that actually wants to secure the border, and we don't have one. That's, my, okay, that's a significant problem. And, and, and now they're going to, you know, sending uh, the DHS secretary and the secretary of state down there to Mexico. So, again, I, I'm just trying to understand from, from you as a Republican in the Senate what you need to see in order to, to say to Democrats, you know what, that, that looks good. Let's, let's get a deal on this. So we, we need the president to come to Congress. If he thinks he needs more authorities, just ask for it. It will be given to him. The problem is his Democrat colleagues don't want it. I've been listening to what the negotiators are looking for. They're not serious about actually securing the border. They're just simply not. And that's a real problem in trying to actually do it and get it accomplished. Our, our uh, last question. Um, it, it sounds like you are bearish on the concept of a deal getting done. Is, is that fair to say? Well, I'm, I'm, I, the problem we have is this is a lawless administration. He ignores Supreme Court rulings. He lies repeatedly to the American public. How can you trust him to fulfill any agreement that we actually do with him? It's, it's a real significant problem for, okay. with, for Republican uh, negotiators. Got it. Uh, Senator, we got to leave it there. I do appreciate the time here. Um, and as you started off by saying, uh, Merry Christmas, sir. Uh, hope you come on back. Merry Happy Christmas. New Year as well. Yep. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask him as well about Donald Trump, Colorado and all that. But the reason why I stayed on that is because I think it was instructive for the audience to hear from a Republican senator how they f- are feeling right now from their side of the aisle. And then I ask you, when you hear that, it's why I asked the last question, are you bullish or bearish on the prospects of a deal? Senator Johnson's never been part of a deal to get anything done in the Senate, so I'm not surprised he has no idea what's going on in the negotiations. I wouldn't count him as the barometer for whether a deal's going to get done. Jim Langford and Tom Tillis are leading those efforts. Uh, I'm hopeful that they can get something done. Maybe that's the optimist in me, but... I do think they have a chance. I don't know that I disagree. If you're going to cut, cut a deal out of the sort of the center, you're going to lose yep. Bernie Sanders and you're going to lose Ron Johnson, right? You just are. But the last thing he said was, was I thought, instructive, which is mm-hmm. there's a trust issue. Right. Okay? And that might be a problem across more than just the right wing of, of my party. Right. That, that inter- how do we pass a deal? Because we all, they all go back to the same thing, which is under Reagan, we did amnesty and border security. We got amnesty. We got no border security. Look, That's burnt in their mind. When, when, when you interview members of Congress, as you know, sometimes you can really get into the nitty gritty of, of politics in policy and all that. But what I heard there was frustration and a lack of trust. And that's why I kept going there. And I think that was, as you said, instructive so that the folks at home, you know, gauge off that, if you if and you will, if what a deal, deal looks like. And if the deal is to continue to be tied to Ukraine and Israel funding, mm, then how does it ever pa- pass that. the House with the Ukraine funding? Attached? Last word, Scott. I, I still think there's a fundamental difference. 
I think Democrats look at this as a humanitarian issue and people having a right to citizenship. And I think the Republicans just want to shut the border. When they say border security, they mean keep them out. And there's no way to keep them out unless you invest in the countries that they're coming from and make life better for them, make them safe, give them educational opportunities, job opportunities. All right. Well, coming up here on the Hill, uh, big year coming up politically, as you know, lots of races all over the place. And what are the odds that a Republican would ever win a big race in the state of California? <laughs> Zero, right? Like, ain't going to happen. Oh, but bring one of the most famous Los Angeles Dodgers of all time. And does that change the equation? New numbers out involving Steve Garvey. Could he pull a major Senate upset? We'll get into that. Mick's biting his tongue because he does not like the Dodgers. And uh, did we just did we just find the worst business idea in all of 2023? It just might be. And over at the White House, they might actually be celebrating it. We'll explain when the Hill on News Nation returns. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So is it possible, maybe, might there actually be a race in the state of New Hampshire? A new poll from St. Anselm College has Nikki Haley doubling her support from in the Granite State from September, uh, pulling the former South Carolina governor within 14 points of the former president, Donald Trump, in New Hampshire. You can see the numbers there. A closer look shows the poll was taken earlier this week before Colorado set off that political earthquake. So we could talk about the relevance here. Uh, but Ashley, again, you're, you're in the Haley world and Haley orbit, however you want to describe it. What do you make of that? It's, we're feeling the momentum. I mean, she's doing, uh, she came up again in Iowa as well. And one poll, she's ahead of DeSantis as of yesterday. Um, she's obviously went up again in New Hampshire. She's continuing to rise in South Carolina. So those first three states, she's feeling great. I think the big question is, you know, Chris Christie still has 12% in that, um, in that poll. And those voters would go to Nikki most likely. And so will Chris, get out or not. He just would did a huge ask, bite. Would she ask him to get out? I don't know if it would matter if she would or not. I think that it's more that it's up to Chris, and I think Chris still wants to stay, and he just did a huge ad buy, I think, that dropped today in, in uh, New Hampshire. So we'll see. That's yeah, but look at that statistic right there. If you keep that up, you'll see 12 and then 3 and 6. There's like 23%. If you match that with her 30%, that's where the Republican Party goes that are non-MAGA voters, at least technically, and she's in the 60s, and he's at 44. See, that, that's where I disagree. Is that, I okay. think we're right. If Chris Christie gets out of the race, then Nikki goes up. There's no question. But if Vivek Ramaswamy gets out of the race, that all those votes are going to Donald Trump. Nikki doesn't have to win New Hampshire. Mm. Okay? A close second is a win because no one thought it was possible, right? If she beats DeSantis in Iowa, comes in second, even if it's a distant second, again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a caucus, not a primary, mm. and then does cl- comes in a close second in, 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 in New Hampshire, that's enough. It really is. So I, I don't focus as much on who's getting in the race and who's getting out of the race as much as the dynamic and nope. the... Those guys are going to get out of the race if she starts winning like that or comes in That's second. correct. Yeah, I don't think yes. it does turn into a two-person race, okay. which is... I also think we all have to remember when Bush lost New Hampshire by 18 points and he was supposed to win by 10 and it didn't matter much. Right. Look, I, I think I, I would love to see Nikki Haley as the nominee because you would actually have a debate in the, in the general election about policy discussions, not Donald Trump just shouting grievances. Uh, I don't know if my endorsement of Nikki Haley is going to help her in any of these places, <laughs> but I do think so that... I think the first the, thing Jonathan said tonight, that, that thing is absolutely wrong. There's no way. 
<laughs> don't think that Joe Biden is debating anybody in this election. Keep in mind, yeah, think so? oh, yeah, RNC, he'll debate him. The RNC is he'll backed out of the commission anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right? the RNC is uh-huh. backed out. And Joe, Joe, the one thing Joe Biden can't do is uh-huh. make a mistake, a mistake on a big stage. If he gets up and says, they said, "What's right. the biggest issue of the day?" and he says, "I like peaches," this race is over. Yeah, huh. but he's not going to do that. He's yeah. going to be well prepared, and you can't get the road. The road to the presidency leads through debates, whether it's Nikki Haley or well, Donald Trump. He's got to do. Speaking, speaking I, of, but, new, but Colorado. Yeah. Go, no, go, no, go, Ash. I was just going to say, speaking of Colorado, though, I've gotten so many emails today from Republicans trying to fundraise off of what Colorado is doing. Hmm. So I think that does that is something that does help Trump because it once again he looks like a victim. I think the worst person for Colorado was Nikki Haley because it's taking those MAGA voters who boosted his poll numbers after each indictment and get behind him even more. I think she's surging. I think this Colorado thing might hurt her. By the way, where are you going to be on January 12th? I will I will be in New Hampshire with my old boss. <laughs> What's Joe Manchin doing in New Hampshire? Uh-huh. Joe Manchin is going on a listening tour. A listening <laughs> tour. Ah, <laughs> listening tour. Oh, no, he's skiing in Hold on. What's Joe he's Manchin doing family. in New Hampshire? He, 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 he's uh, going with a group called Americans Together who's trying to... <laughs> what is you that? Know, is that a pack? It's not a pack. It's <laughs> trying to build, you know, build moderate voices and give them a voice that they haven't had okay. in D.C. So listening I will be, tour. I will be in New Hampshire uh, okay. with my old boss. All right. You never know. All right. this on the panel. It's been reported. Manchin's going there. And Jonathan's like a right hand, so I wanted to know. All right. Uh, speaking of the campaign trail, did you see this moment out on the trail? The presidential candidate, Ron DeSantis, answering the question that millions of parents get from their kids. I mean, heck, I got it last night. Uh, the question that they get from their kids this holiday season. Watch. My kids are very concerned, though, about if there's complications with the chimney. How does Santa get in? What happens if this happens? I said, I said, guys, Santa knows how to troubleshoot. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Santa knows how to trouble. There's like a million ways to answer that. You got, I mean, some people are like, ah, it makes him look robotic. I don't know. I think it makes him look human. Like, I don't know how you answer No, how does it make him look human? You don't think so? He's telling this kid. Listen, Santa knows how to troubleshoot. Like they're consultants or something. I kind of froze. I got like a version of the question last night, and I was like, and I gave my wife a look at the eyes, and she answered it. It's, it's, it's not an easy one. I bet she didn't say he knows how to troubleshoot. <laughs> it wasn't I don't that, know what yeah. she said. My triplets ask me the same question. Now they're 24, so it's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a better answer than I give. Look, it's a, hu- it's a great yes. question. Yes, troubleshoot, that's just Ron DeSantis. Yeah. That's how he talks to his kids. But it's a humanizing event for him. It's not a bad thing. Needs, I wonder if his consultants told him to tell that story. You need, so you both are saying the same thing at the yeah. same time. His yeah. consultants yeah. may have told him to say that, but okay. he needs more human moments. Okay. By the way, Way, with all the like, look at um, the GOP, you know, race for president. Have you seen what's going on in the state of California? They obviously have an open Senate seat there. Uh, Steve Garvey, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers legend, the all-time great, running second in a poll there, uh, polling at 19%. You might say, oh, that makes sense. You know, Steve Garvey, name ID and all that. Here's the thing. You see the red? He's a Republican. In California, doing well. What, what's this all about? Is it simply name ID? You know, it's got to be right. Steve Garvey's or? name up there in red is really hurtful. Because <laughs> I was a Cincinnati Reds fan in the 1970s. I want you to know, I've met Steve Garvey. He's a great guy. He's a great candidate. I think 19 percent is probably the ceiling for a Republican candidate in okay. California. But again, as a Reds fan, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> Schwarzenegger. Short, yeah, that's true. I mean, what's the, and also, so, so laugh at this or don't laugh at this? I don't laugh at it because I think people are so tired mm-hmm. of 
traditional politician. Right. I think it's still a popularity contest. And he's a business guy. Name. It's not like he is. He's he's not a successful smart. business guy. Yeah. He's still got name recognition. Yeah. Can you put up that gra- the graphic again? Sorry. Go, go on. He's a great Finish ball up. player. Yeah. And he's got name recognition. And it's still about likability. I mean, he's wholesome. He's a Dodger. He's a record-breaking Major League Baseball player in the Hall of Fame. And so people respond to that. Now, when he gets on the trail, and by the way, if you show me two other polls in the next six months and he's growing or he's still at 19%, then we got something politically the, to talk about. The only about. reason why I asked to bring that up is because uh-huh. if you walked or went in any Starbucks in California and said, who do you know? Yeah, right. It's Garvey, 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 right. right? Also played in San Diego. People forget that. He, fin- he huh. ended uh, in San Diego. Yeah, and right. people moderate. will vote because of that. Yeah. Sorry. Moderate Republicans do well in California. Just look at mm-hmm. the delegation. Right. He has an opportunity to grow if he embraces a you know, business-friendly, moderate Republican agenda. And look, Adam Schiff is going to be in a campaign against Katie Porter for the next couple months, not focused on Steve Garvey. That's where his chance is. If he wins, then you're looking at, like, Congressman Kershaw or something like that, right? (laughs) Uh, Because... Don't don't laugh. Don't laugh. First of all, we need him in the the congressional baseball game. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Kurt Schilling talked about running Yeah, Kurt Schilling did. We've won the last couple of years, ever since they got rid of Cedric Richmond. But um, Kurt Kurt Schilling talked about running That thing, real quick, about the that that poll, Barbara Lee, who's been running real hard, uh, got a lot, a lot of black and brown support, but she's at 14 yeah. uh, percent. Doesn't mean doesn't seem like she's making much progress. And she has some natural constituencies in California. But the, at least up to this point, they're not listening. How's, Adam, how's Adam, her sinker, though? How's the curveball? <laughs> that might be the problem. Adam Schiff is actually doing almost as well with the African-American community in that poll. Yeah, I've read that. Uh, than yeah, Barbara yeah. is. All right. By the way, quick programming note. Tomorrow on Cuomo, Steve Garvey uh, joins Chris live to discuss his run for U.S. Senate <laughs> and his hopes to pull a GOP win in that state. Don't want to miss it tomorrow night here on News Nation. Cuomo, Steve Garvey. Check it out then. And coming up here on the Hill on News Nation, uh, Claudine Gay. She is, of course, for now at least the president of Harvard. But what about this concept? Should Congress yank its federal funding from that school? Because now there's questions about her plagiarism. Yank the federal funding. Does that seem crazy? One member of Congress and an influential one is actually threatening that possibility. We'll discuss it. And over at Starbucks, the CEO forced to write a letter saying, you know what? Stop the protests. Stop the vandalism. What's this all about? The Hill on News Nation. Back in a few. Back here to the Hill. So, Harvard continuing to stand by President Claudine Gay, despite additional accusations now of plagiarism. Now, the school is allowing her to add attributions to some of her works but again, cleared her of research misconduct. But the new charges are leading to an expanded investigation by the House Education Committee. That includes the plagiarism accusations. Now, Committee Chairwoman Virginia Fox says that federal funding to Harvard is, quote, conditioned upon the school's adherence to the standards of of a recognized accreditor. What about this idea? Um, Of you know what? If we don't like the way things are going at Harvard and with Claudine Gay... You get money from the feds? The, the House GOP is just so misguided. They, they <laughs> what's just, misguided about this? What, the the hearing, I think, opened up Harvard a lot of Harvard business. This is Harvard, but this is retribution against the president of Harvard because she did not denounce Semitism or the, 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 factual, the factual layout and say, yes, that was Semitism, that was anti-Semitism, and actions needed to be taken. Now, Harvard has cleared her. 
Uh, this plagiarism issue isn't really plagiarism. It's adding credit. So it's not like she was writing something and stole all this material and then published it and what have you. It happens all the time the at difference? the high academic. What's the difference between taking higher something and not attributing it it's and plagiarism? It's, it's called giving credit where credit is due. But when due. you don't give that credit, what is it called? Well, errors happen, and that's why they're letting her go back to correct it. That's why Harvard's dealing with it. They're still standing behind her. The House GOP doesn't like it, and so, this is retribution. So, okay, political so I'm glad you just, I'm just glad you said that. He's, I want to go around the table real quick. Okay. He says it's quote-unquote political retribution, yes or no? I agree with that. I mean, I think yeah. that... Oh, it probably is. Mick? To a certain extent, there's no question. Yeah. Okay, so then is it wrong about possibly dangling, you know, Absolutely federal funds? No, keep in mind, they, they've got a lot of problems. They've got a Title IX problem. Um, that's going to pop up. They're going to have a difficulty because where... The, where, where Every this is, college in America has Title IX problems. That's right, but well, we don't hear about them at Harvard. But I think this is where this is going, Scott, is that there's going to be you know, a debate now not on way of taking federal funding, right? I don't think there's a chance of that. You may hear a discussion about taxing the endowment. Mm, that is a yeah. big J.D. Deal. Vance is talking about that. that. Is yeah, but, but what just happened right before we got on air is another billionaire mm-hmm. is, you know, stopping his money that he's giving to Harvard. I mean, the reputational risk of Harvard right now yeah. is what's if you really... I want to get, I wanna get Jonathan in, and then, and then I'm going to end with Scott, but go. She's going to be out of her position before Congress even gets to ask because so. the donors are going to cut off okay. the money. You can't, you can't have that much scandal and that much spotlight on you when your job is to not have scandal and okay. spotlight. Carol Swain is, is where the uh, plagiarism uh, accusations come from, or at least some of her work. She spoke to Elizabeth Vargas last night. My argument is that her whole dissertation topic how she approached it, and the articles that I read were derivative of my work and that she did not adequately acknowledge that in what should have been a literature review. You would say what? I would say she's probably right about that, but that doesn't mean she doesn't need or deserve to be president of Harvard University. I think you're right about one thing. If If the donations dry up, or the major contributors start to weigh in, and they haven't yet, or if they have, Harvard is still sticking with her, then she survives. If she doesn't, she shouldn't be fired because she made a a huge error in judgment before the House and made a huge error in not giving the right attribution for some of her publications from 5, 10, 20 years ago. If you're the board of directors of a corporation and your CEO is driving away customers, there are people now sending back the acceptance letters to Harvard, and you're driving away investors, the donors are running away from Harvard, that board would get rid of the CEO under the reputation. Why are they still backing her then? If all that's true, and I tend, I believe you, yeah, okay, I, why actually, are they still backing her? It was actually one I of them who sure. said it today. It was a member of the board of directors who said he would take this a lot more seriously if it wasn't aligning with the narrative of the right. That is a problem. Yeah. That's that's what the if, if board member is saying that, look, this but, is a serious okay, matter so, since the so Republicans are saying I sit on the board of Morehouse College, right? Okay. And the reality is uh, that uh, once you pick a president, that board is invested with that president. As the president goes, the board goes, because that's her, that's our selection, if you will. Correct. So you've got to stick with her until you can't. And I think there's circumstances where the board will say, okay, we can't. And that's what we're waiting on. And that's what you're talking about. I just want to go back. Students aren't allowed to go or kicked out of Harvard if they plagiarize. So I think that the president of the school should have the same standards. Out of uh, 100 cases of academic investigations in 2021, 42 were about plagiarism. By the way, at Harvard, $676 million in federal funding uh, in 2023. That is 11% of total revenue. And speaking of money, you might want to, this might be up your alley here. (laughs) We're pivoting here. (laughs) 
Do we have, not the money part. I'm not the winner. Do, 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 do we have a winner for the worst business idea of the year in 2023? Check out this uh, headline from, from Yahoo. It came out today. Quote, uh, short sellers, those who are betting against the market, lost <laughs> close to $178 billion in 2023. Okay, that's one headline. Bet against the market, you lost. U.S. Misery Index, the lowest it has been in quite some time. You can see it there for many years. You're going to make the case to me that it shows Bidenomics is That's working? Bidenomics. Keep okay, that Okay, there we go. That's why I wanted to let you breathe for America a second. America just Scott. hasn't felt it yet, and when they start feeling it next year, boy, are the Republicans in trouble. How long is it going to take? <laughs> How long is it going to take? <laughs> in leave, leave, it, leave, it, leave the graph up there. Go left on the... No, please put the graph go, go You can take it down now. Go left. <laughs> go left on the graph and look where it was when Joe Biden took off, when Donald Trump left in 2020. I mean, look, that's the problem. It's not that Bidenomics isn't working. It's just not working as well as Trumponomics. That's the issue mm. that you've got. Yeah, but it's still the lowest ever. So it's Biden's got to take credit for that. But it's coming down. It's been a long time. So but he's got to take credit for that. And you've got to give him credit for that. The problem is if you go to West Virginia, if you go to all these states, none of these people are feeling like their lives are any better right now. And right. maybe it will improve before the election, but. It's got to. All of the pieces of legislation that he signed, the Inflation Reduction Act, the Infrastructure Bill, the CHIPS Bill, those are slowly taking effect. You're going to see them. You're going to see thousands of jobs being created. And I think for the next year, you're going to see the president going around at ribbon cuttings and job openings. It's interesting you say because I've, I've said here, I don't know why you hang your hat on Bidenomics because nobody knows what the economy and what the world right. is going to look like. None of us five know. The president doesn't know and anyone in between. So why not, if you were him, if I'm running this strategy. I'm not. But I would say, why not just go to every ribbon cutting and then yeah. and, and do it that way? I would say not that. But but then you're also telling people you should feel good when you yeah. might not necessarily but, to Ashley's point. Yeah. Don, and I don't Joe think Biden that Janet Yellen saying it's yeah, making Janet Yellen saying it doesn't yeah. help. Joe Biden needs to take a page out of the Donald Trump playbook and brag about everything he's done. Exactly. Brag every day about every accomplishment. Would you, would you recommend that? Tell me how that's different than Barack Obama or George Bush or Bill Clinton or George Bush. I mean, that's what presidents are supposed to yeah, do. Yeah, okay. You yeah. get credit for stuff you don't do because but, you get blamed for but stuff But not just you don't credit, do. but the likability factor. I think Biden suffers from a lack of likability factor. That's his age. And so if he cuts, it's his age. If he does, if he does all the things you all have said, yeah. then he's like, and then, and, and he's likable. Then he's got a shot. Well, the thing that uh, I think a lot of folks in this country like, Starbucks. Uh, coming up here on the Hill, uh, a letter from the CEO or a comment from the CEO uh, earlier this week saying, you know what? Stop protesting at our stores. What does this have to do about? Why are the protests happening? And what the CEO has to say about it. And uh, be sure to check out our weekly newsletter. Drop today, oh, Decision Day 24. Hold on. Look at that smiling face. Look at that smiling face. <laughs> so Mulvaney texted me. Mulvaney texted me. I'm trying to dig it up. Oh. I don't know if you can bring the camera by. Mulvaney texted me this today. A picture of my face from the actual newsletter. Uh, trying to get there the you go. Code. I first uh, laughing. But we dropped it. Mulvaney's in the newsletter, by the way. <laughs> Go to the website, log on, subscribe to it. We're back here on the Hill. Stay with us. On News Nation, so Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, of course, one of the most famous moments in the history of this country. Over 250,000 civil rights supporters saw Dr. King's speech uh, speak from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, one of the most iconic monuments in our nation's capital. Right now, U.S. Park Police are investigating an incident of vandalism on those very same steps, or right by them, 
60 years later. That is the video right there from our next star affiliate here in Washington, uh, D.C. News, capturing the words, free Gaza and splattered red paint amid the war uh, between Israel and Hamas. You can see them there pressure cleaning, trying to get it off. Park police say it may take several more days to remove all of the paint. They had to shut down temporarily that memorial for that. We have seen this routinely yeah. here in this city. The steps where MLK stood, there's even a placard, and you see that. Mm-hmm. It is infuriating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, not, not the way to protest exactly. uh, violence or vandalism or committing crimes. There are more effective ways to do it, no matter how strongly you feel, whether it's about Israel or Gaza. Um, and, and so you, you struggle with when they're in these meetings to say, what are we going to do to protest? They want to get the most attention and they want to be the most outrageous. But I've always recommended to, to protesters and nonprofit organizations, it can't be illegal. And it can't be violent, right? Because it takes the credibility away, and exactly. that's what you're watching. And I actually—it well, also turns people against you. There was, a, there yes, was another protest yes. against yes. Uh, against USA to Israel in Los Angeles earlier in the week, where they shut down the I-10 for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you go and you read the social media, you read the reports about it. It's just people complaining. Look, I support the Palestinians, but I don't like this. So right. I need to get to work. Move people away from your, <laughs> I need to your get home. home. The, so, the irony of this disgusting act of their expression of freedom of speech is if they tried to do this in Gaza, they would be killed. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, Starbucks, yeah. the CEO there, uh, is saying that people protesting against the company have been, quote, influenced by misrepresentation on social media. He sent a letter out uh, basically saying that there is vandalism at Starbucks stores happening all across the country, and he is saying, stop, enough. Quote, many of our stores have experienced incidents of vandalism. We see protesters influenced by misrepresentation on social media of what we stand for. We have worked with local authorities to ensure our partners and customers are safe. Just another example. U.S. aid uh, to Israel, by the way. Found this interesting. Recent poll, do you support it or do you oppose it? It is dead split. What do you make of that? It is until you break it down by age. And it's 18 to 29. I bet it's three to one against USAID to Israel. Mm-hmm. This is a real problem in this country. It's especially a problem for my Democrat friends because their party splits along these lines a lot more than my Republican Party does. But this is, a, this is an age gap, and it's driven almost entirely by social media. And if you ask the younger generation how they get their news, it's all on social, social media, media, and that is curated through algorithm, algorithms of what they want them to read. Look, yeah. it's the same platform that made the Bin Laden letters popular. That's where people are getting their news. They're not getting actual news. We should stop even saying they're getting their news from there. They're getting disinformation and propaganda from there, and that's why they're coming out with these misinformed views. Or no information. Yeah. <laughs> or no information. I have a bigger problem with all these CEOs having to take, resp- uh, take stands on social issues. I just huh. think it's like... Hmm. Elizabeth Vargas, uh, come on in. Elizabeth, nice to see you as always. Uh, Great to see you. I wonder what you make of, yeah, what, what do you make of, I mean, what we saw here in Washington, you got the Starbucks CEO saying enough is enough. Listen, uh, 20% of young people in this country don't think the Holocaust happened. We have a real I was, problem. It's so yeah. interesting yeah. that, we have a real that you say problem. that because, yeah, I was going to bring that up to Mick when he was talking about the age divide. Like, it is, when you hear that, it is jarring. Well, and as your panel just smartly pointed out, that's because also studies show the vast majority of young people get their news or, as somebody called it, disinformation on TikTok. I mean, that's that's their source of news. So is it any wonder that they're all buying into, oh, my gosh, the, the Palestinians? Listen, what's happening 
to Palestinian civilians is truly awful. There is a mm -hmm. terrible crisis in Gaza right now. Mm -hmm. But none of these people have thought through what they're talking about um, when, when you talk mm -hmm. about, well, Israel just needs to stop bombing Gaza and then everything will be okay and, and, and cheering on Hamas even. Uh, none of those people, I would think, would understand that, if, you know, Hamas wants you female in a burqa or right. do you know if you're gay, you can't live in, you know, there. You are. It is really Jonathan something yeah. that they don't mm -hmm. know so much about this very group yeah. that they celebrate. All right. Real quick. What do you have coming up tonight? Uh, we've got uh, a big breakdown of this big shooting in Prague today. We're going to talk with an expert on what police did right and what police did wrong in that case. And, of course, we've got the UNLV body cam footage uh, also uh, released today showing exactly how police responded to that mass shooting by, of all things, a, a professor denied tenure. Very, very unusual. And we're going to take a deep look at those tunnels uh, underneath Gaza uh, they're incredibly ornate and elaborate. Uh, we've got prayer rooms. One uh, entrance mm -hmm. to one of these tunnels is mm -hmm. right beside a children, a school for children who are deaf, uh, which is completely supports the Israeli position that uh, that Hamas was using human shields, sometimes the most vulnerable of human shields, uh, to hide behind. All right, Elizabeth. Uh, we'll see Elizabeth Vargas reports coming up in about seven and a half minutes. Have a great show. We'll see you then. Thanks, Elizabeth. <clears throat> Uh, but before we go here on the Hill, you know the movie Home Alone? Of course you know it, right? You might have even watched it around this time of year. How rich, how wealthy were the McAllisters? <laughs> Believe it or not, one of the Federal Reserve uh, branches was asked that very question, and they were able to quantify it. How much money do you think that family was worth? We'll break it down when the Hill on News Nation returns. You got a guess? Tomorrow on News Nation, a special edition of Dan Abrams Live. 2024 Democratic presidential candidate Dean Phillips talks with Dan live for the full hour. Why he joined the race and what's next in his challenge to President Biden's campaign. Tune in at 9 p.m. Eastern. So the Christmas classic Home Alone is a fan favorite during the holiday season. But have you ever wondered, I mean, that huge house, the trip to Paris and everything, how much the McAllisters, the main characters in the film, might have been worth? Well, the New York Times went to the Federal Reserve, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, to ask the question, just how rich were the McAllisters in Home Alone? The answer, they were in the 1% tax bracket. Now, using estimates of the value of the real home used in the movie, this is in Winnetka, Illinois, the McAllister income was calculated at 305000 bucks in 1990. That would be about $665,000 in 2022 money. Jonathan Mick and I had the exact same thought when we first heard this, which was... <laughs> I can't believe the Fed spent time on it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, wait a minute. The Federal Reserve, like, put this together? And the second question is, like, who cares? What they have, who cares? How wealthy they are? Well, yeah. I, that's I think, a fun fact. So I think most, not really. like, how do you, Why how do you buy the, they were in the 1%? how do you buy the 15, the 15 plane tickets to, yeah. to Paris? Well, that's, you're I'm, going I'm, to Paris they're, tomorrow. They're saying in my ear, Ashley so, Grinch, so, that you're a Grinch <laughs> for, for saying that. So you're telling us that Hollywood is not like real life? Is, oh, that the yeah. By the way, uh, Kevin McAllister, uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin, the, you know, the character, his shopping spree, uh, it was 20 bucks at the time. Remember, the family goes off, and they're like, oh, where is he? And he goes to the, to the store. He spent 20 bucks back then in 1990-something, <laughs> which would have been $55 plus tax in today's money, in case 
And that's not Biden's fault, by the way. The government good at work. Mitt was going to come from my, left, from my left. <laughs> Ashley is not the Grinch. We <laughs> love <laughs> Ashley around here. I have my green on. I have my green on. <laughs> Got to leave it there. Fun times. Thank you all. Uh, and we thank you at home for watching us here on the Hill. Set your DVR if you need to watch us at 5. Hello on Sirius XM. We'll be back tomorrow. Elizabeth starts right now. Good evening, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. There is a flurry of headlines to get to on this Thursday night, including the chaos at the border. President Biden is sending his two top deputies to meet with Mexico's president, while some migrants are turning their illegal crossings into legal tender, monetizing videos of their trek on YouTube. Then it's holiday season, and this might be the ultimate naughty list. Names of those involved in Jeffrey Epstein's case are set to be released. We'll speak to the journalist who already knows many of them. But we begin in the historic district of Prague, where tonight the Czech Republic is reeling from a shooting that killed at least 14 people. The video from the scene is terrifying. Desperate students cling to a ledge several stories up, sirens blare as people on the street rush to safety. On another side of the building, students jump out a window to escape, crashing down onto the balcony below. 